Hi, this is Bob Sorrentino from Italian Roots and Genealogy, and I'm here today with Fred Russo, and we're going to talk about his research and uh, where his family is from. So welcome, Fred. Thanks for being here. Bob, thank you for inviting me. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. So my first question, I, I kind of always ask everybody the same first question is, you know, where is uh, your family from? My dad actually is from uh, a small town east of Naples called Marchanese. Uh, my grandfather actually came to New Haven, Connecticut in 1903, brought my grandmother over in 1910, and my father was actually born in New Haven, Connecticut. But three months after his birth, his dad died. His mother packed him up, young woman, moved back to Italy. And uh, so although he was born as an American citizen, was raised as an Italian and came back to the United States as a immigrant American. Yeah, so you're the second person I've I've heard a story similar to that where they had come over and the parent was born here and then they went back. Uh, so how old was he when he came back? Well, he was uh, 14 years old. What had happened was my grandfather, who passed away, that's father, also came to this country with his brother. His brother remained and was probably 15 miles away. But in 1903, 15 miles away, was like 1,500 miles yeah, away. Yeah, right. And there was no way for my grandmother to be, you know, connected to, to her brother-in-law. And so uh, that's why she went back to Italy to, to live with her family and help support her son. Well, my Uncle uh, Giuseppe, Joe, but Uncle Giuseppe um, needed some help on the farm. He had a little farm here in, in um, Hamden, Connecticut, just outside of New Haven. He wrote to my grandmother and said, send Domenico back to the country. I could use him here. And I'm sure my grandmother, the times being what they were, said one less mouth to feed. And she put him on a boat by himself. I'm sure there was somebody with him, but you know, basically there were no relatives with him. Put him on a boat, came here. And uh, my uncle picked him up in, at Ellis Island, and uh, he always remained. He, he did go back later on when he was older, in you know, his, his uh, later years, to visit his mom just before she died. But it took 30 or 40 years for that first trip that happened. So, um, as I said, my dad, uh, even though he was American, spoke with an Italian accent, was bilingual, but he, he, was, uh, he got caught up because... He never went to school in Italy, and he never went to school in the United States. He couldn't either read nor write, and uh, it made it very difficult for him. And, and I always give my mom credit for being his, his, uh, his kind of ears and eyes to, to being in business because she was the one who could read and write. Wow. So that's that's really – that's quite an interesting story. Um, and, yeah, I know, you know, I, you know, my uncle was left behind uh, when my grandparents came over, and they – they intended to go back, but they didn't. And same thing with him. He 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 quit school when he was seven uh, in Italy. But he did. I, I I don't know if they I don't know if the kids taught him. I mean, he did eventually. You know, learn how to. Uh, as far as I know, write. I don't know, but I don't know. It's a good point. I don't know if he was ever able to read. You know. It. You know. I. I. I uh, when I was about, I'm seventy-seven years old. But when I was fifty-five, I. Um, you know, it kind of dawned on me, you know, you, you, you're married, you're raising a family, you're sending kids to school, college. When all that kind of smoke cleared, I started to think about, you know, what about our, my, my dad's family? My mother's family we knew was documented. But my father's family, yeah, we knew very little about it. As a matter of fact, when we were kids, my uh, mother would make care packages up really. I have two brothers and a sister. And whatever our, we're, and even though we, we, handed our clothes down from brother to brother at our own. When the clothes were worn out, we actually packed them up. We sent them to Italy. But we didn't know where Italy was. I mean, Italy could have been, you know, around the corner. It could have been, you know, on the top of the world. But all the the clothing that we had went in the box. In March East, we had no idea what that was. But there were things that we knew that my grandmother liked. And I'm sure my father must either either my mother wrote her or whatever. But they would always include peanut butter, chocolate, 
and hot dogs, believe it or not. They used to sell <laughs> hot dogs and almost like a beer stein kind of locked in gelatin with a cover on it. And it was the strangest thing. I mean, but all this stuff went there and we never saw it again. That was the end of it, you know? So um, as we get into this interview, I'll tell you sort of a follow-up, all those clothes and who they went to. But uh, uh, at, 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 in my life, I decided to do this research. And I not only did my search for my dad, I loved it so much. But I do it for a lot of other people, but I do it for free. I don't charge anybody to do any research. I spend hours and hours and hours doing it. I absolutely love enjoying it. Uh, I um, am retired, so I, I, I don't have any time constraints. And I, uh, the, the joy that I got out of learning about my, my dad, his family, where he came from, the town he was from, and, and Italy in general, made me feel so good. I said, if there's somebody out there that doesn't know where their their your roots are from. They they need to have that same joy. They need to know. And I've seen it so many times. I've probably done 50 research projects where the people were in tears. They want to pay me. I don't want any money for it. I, I, I consider it a, an act of love that, that that everybody should know where their roots are from if, if they really want to know. And so for me, I did it on my own. Uh, I, I At the very end, I needed help a from a genealogist, although I'm a genealogist now myself, uh, but I need help from a genealogist to do some Italian research. And we were able to research our family all the way back to 17 something. I, you're, you're the, the um, trying to get the name of the records, but before Italy was unified, you know, from once they were unified, you can get records. Prior to that, you had to go to church. So anyway, she got that information for me. So I almost felt whole having that experience of uh, knowing who my dad's family was, at least by name and the roots and how far back. And we saw in the in mid-1800s, our name went from Russo to Rossi, back to Russo again. Little things that you would never know unless you do that kind of research. And so uh, once you start that, and, and again, I speak for myself, I, I wasn't satisfied. It sounds crazy. I was happy that I found all the information. Now I had to see it. I had to go there. I had to discover it. And uh, I had a, a woman who runs a travel agency. She's Italian. And she said to me, you know, you're getting all excited about going to Italy. You better calm down a little bit because <laughs> when you get there, you might be disappointed. I said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm thinking like, said to me, Fred, the last time, you know, in our conversation, there was any communication with your family. It was 50 years ago when your grandmother was alive. She's passed. My dad did have two sisters with my grandmother's second marriage. We I have no idea who she is. I don't even know what their names were, as a matter of fact. And uh, when I tell you about the care packages, that's who they went to. They went to the children of my father's two sisters. So the the travel agency, in her wisdom, said to me, listen, do yourself a favor. Book yourself. It was uh, My wife at the time was alive. She's passing. But book a, 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 a trip to Italy and do a tour. If you do nothing else in going to Italy, at least you've, you've gone around and you, you saw all the high spots of Italy. So, okay. So then what we'll do is the last few days of your trip, you know, you drop off from the, 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 the tour itself and go find your family if you can find them. I happen to be very lucky because my son-in-law's parents are from Italy. He's not, he was born here, but they go to Italy every summer and it just i mean all the planets were in online alignment and he, and my son-in-law's father said hey i'm gonna be there at the time i'm not that far from marchanese why don't you stay with me and then we'll take a ride in and me and your wife will take a ride into march to see if we can find your family i did have an address believe it or not i got it from the daughter of my uncle giuseppe she was 92 years old at the time early stages of of, of dementia and I went to her house and I said to her, her name was Giovanna, but we called her Jenny. I said, Jenny, I said, I don't know if you remember me. Dominic's son. I said, you know, I want to go to Italy. I want to find, it's her family too. Her father and my grandfather were brothers. I said, I want to, I want to find her family. And she said, Fred, I haven't written your family since your grandmother died. Your aunts, I don't know if they're alive or they're dead. 
I don't know who's there, where they live. When you wrote, where did you write to? He said, I got a book near my telephone, you know, the old old uh, uh, phone things. And she said to me, um, I think the, their, their name and their number is here. So, of course, I'm looking for Russo, not only that my grandmother, I knew my grandmother got remarried. I knew at that point. Her last name now was DeSanto. And so uh, I'm looking for Russo, can't find it. She, no, it's not Russo, it's another name. I, and she finally comes up with it. And I look it up and I, I get the address. It's three via Vivaldi. That's the the uh, the street they live in on March Street. So I'm armed with an address. I don't know who I'm going to find. Maybe nobody. Maybe good people. Maybe hostile people. But I went there with my wife and my son-in-law's father, uh, Dominic. And uh, you know, it's interesting. You go through these towns and they're small. You ask me where things are. They don't know where they are. Hey, can you tell me where you? Yeah, go to the left. Go to the right. Go to the right. Go to the, right, go to the left. It took us probably an hour to find it. Tom's not that big. We finally found the street. Can't park a car on it. It's too narrow. You got to park it kind of far away and walk to it, which we did. And uh, I said to my wife, here's what I want to do. I'll, I'll be so satisfied if I find the building that my dad was raised in. I'll be satisfied if somewhere's in the town I can get soil. I brought a Ziploc bag. I want to dig some soil up from our trees. I want to bring that home with me. I want to bring some of some of Marchini's back with me. I want to take a picture in front of the building. If I get those three things done, I will be very, very happy. So I'm standing against the building, you know, with my hand on it, and uh, an elderly woman comes from uh, up on one of the balconies, and vividly, you know, everybody's got little balconies to hang their laundry out on. And uh, she said to me in Italian, who are we looking for? Now, in these little towns and these little neighborhoods, Everybody knows everybody. They know who you are, and they know you don't belong. Okay? But she wasn't mean, but she wanted to know who I was. And I didn't know what to really say to her. So the time I said, I'm Dominic Russo's son from America. I, I figured Dominic Russo, America, if that didn't make a connection, then I had to get it. I had to leave. She just looked at me, never said a word, walked back into her apartment. I, I said to my wife, what do, you, what do you think that means? I, I don't know. Maybe she just was whatever. <laughs> Five minutes, ten minutes later, I see people walking from every direction on the main street, the side street, coming there. And it was probably, without a doubt, 35 people standing in the street, crying, hugging, kissing, speaking Italian, speaking zero English, no English at all. I, I can speak some Italian to get by, but I'm not fluent, fluent like, you know, uh, 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 my, my dad was, let's say. But anyway, we were there, and I cried. I hugged them. I kissed them. And needless to say, once you – I was so happy because my friend, the traveling said to me, you may get there, and there's not going to be anybody there. They're all gone. That was possible. He said, you can get there, and they can say, hey, I've been around for 50 years. You show up, and all of a sudden, what are we going to do? Open our arms up to you? Or the third is they're going to hug you, and they're going to embrace you. And that's what happened with me. So – you know, needless to say, we had three days left. They never let us go home. We stayed there. We met everybody. We went to everybody's house, every apartments. We ate at everybody's house or drank or had coffee or had dessert or had something. And it's every night. It's like 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm saying, I have to go home. I, I go to bed at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I said, I can't keep my eyes open. Oh, no, 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 no. You got to stay. You got to stay. They would drive us back to our apartment. 7 o'clock the next morning, they were there again. We're visiting uh, cemeteries, seeing where my grandmother is buried, where my grandfather is buried. It was as crazy as a time that I could never imagine. I got everybody's name, everybody's phone number. and name. I had first cousins, second cousins, and third cousins here. And that family is so tight. And it, the kind of interesting part is my two aunts, uh, uh, they married two men, not related, both named Nicola Cirillo. So everybody in the family, if you're a male, your name is Nicola. Yeah. If you're, <laughs> I know the drill. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a woman, your name is Carmela. So uh, I don't have to know anybody's name, but Nicola and Carmela. It was, but you know, and and, and with with um, uh, we started with um, now with Facebook, but we are in touch all the time, every week, back and forth, back and forth. And I've been to Italy since 2000, uh, 2002, 
I've been there six times to visit them, stay with them. Well, we always try to travel as well, but I, I try to spend at least a week with them and connect with them. And it, I, I would just tell you something about, for me, that has been probably the highlight of my life. I really mean that. I mean, there are a lot of things that have happened that have been good, you know, business-wise, they made money and stuff. But this, to me, was the greatest connection that I could make. It was just, it's hard to explain it if, if you, it was cathartic. That's all I can say, it was cathartic. It was a beautiful, beautiful experience. I enjoy it. I have my, my I have three daughters. And they've all been to Italy. They've all visited the family. And th- th- it's like, 1903, my grandfather comes over from Italy, and here we are in 2000, almost 23, and we're talking about the same family being together. It, it just it was a wonderful experience. We'll be right back. Italian Roots and Genealogy is proudly sponsored by Your Dolce Vita and Dawn Matera, connecting people to their purpose in life and continuing their legacy. For more information, contact Dawn at www.yourdolcevita.com. Yeah, I, you know, I, I know, and it's it's funny you mentioned about sending the, the packages back. I know my my mom's mom used to send money to to, to Pari and Torito, and and um, I just learned recently. I mean, I just I just found a a first cousin once removed, you know, second cousin, I suppose. Yeah. He is the grandson of my uh, grandmother's half sister. When my great when my great grandmother passed away, she was very young. She was forty, and my great grandfather married a woman half his age. He was sixty. She was thirty. Yeah, um, and, and she had two children, two daughters. And I mean, out of the blue, it, you know, somebody must have told him about me, and I was looking for family. But I get this message on Facebook, and he tells me who he is and everything. And and I said, you know. Because I'm putting him in the, my tree and all of that kind of stuff because I never knew he existed. So I said to him, I said, you know, do you have any photos? You know, I like I always like to see photos. And he says, uh, I think my father had some. I'm going to look. Well, he had photographs of all my grandmother's brothers. Oh, my God. That nobody had ever seen. Unbelievable. You know, most people go to Italy and they want to go to Rome. And, and that's great. You know, you have to go to Rome and stuff like that. But to me... Meeting the family and walking the streets where you, where you, you know, your grandparents, great grandparents, great great grandparents walked. There's nothing better than that, you know. The the culture is just, it's just so unbelievable that you could, if you're fortunate enough to be able to tap into that, there's no other experience like it. It just is. It's, um, I, I, uh, when I, you know, they're they're just as they're just as interested in us as we are in them. Well, you know, Bob, it was interesting because the very first time that I, I made contact with my cousins, and they're my first cousins. They're not like distant. They're my first cousins. Yeah, they're my aunt's cool. children. My cousin Pasquale said, you know, I was talking with my wife just a week or so ago, and, I, and, he, and he said to me, I said to her, I wonder if we'll ever meet our family from America. All those years that passed, and I'm thinking he still had a thought about his family in America. He says, and then you show up. He said, it's it, it's like I can't believe it. it's like a miracle. His brother, the youngest, uh, there's five brothers in one family. The, the youngest one, uh, Domenico, called Mimi. Um, he said to me, Fred, my brother Angelo passed away six months ago. You look just like him, and, and I do. I uh, said. When you showed up, we thought Angelo came back from the dead. He said, we couldn't believe he's a big guy like you. He said, uh, same face ring, the hair and everything else. He said, we thought my brother Angelo came back. He says, so now they call me Fratellone, which is big brother, not just brother, you know, Fratellone, but but the big brother. I'm the oldest of of all my cousins, and, and even their children who are probably in their 30s and maybe even 40s. They call me Zio out of respect. I'm really yeah, a Fugino, yeah. not a Zio, but, you know, uh, but they call me uh, 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 Zio. And it's just, the, the, the they won't let me, uh, when I'm there, I have to be far enough away so they can't get me. 
because I'm close enough. They grab me. I have to stay with them. It will not let me stay anywhere else. I would. I said, look, you can get me a room in the town. I'm happy to, you know, no, 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 no. You got to stay with us. And then what happens when you stay with them, you go through your daily routines, which is go buy the bread, go get the vegetables. But, you know, it's one thing here. There's no big stores. Here. So, you know, you go down an alleyway. Some guy's got stuff in his backyard. He's selling the <laughs> bartering stuff, whatever. But it, it really, it was, um, it was kind of funny. You mentioned our photos. When I got there, one of the things they took out was their photo albums. And they had pictures of my my mom and dad when they went to the fifties. I, and I'm thinking, here I, here I am in Italy. Here I am in March, Nice. They have photos of my mom and dad that I don't have. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. When they were young, a young couple. And and it was just, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, what I've asked them to do, I haven't done it. They haven't done it yet. But I said, you got to get me those pictures. If you take pictures of it and send it through over our iPhone. Because they've got stuff. And, and my, you know, one year my father had an old Cadillac. And he brought it over there on the boat. He went over on um, the Independence, I think it was. And I didn't realize why, but I was a kid. I remember feeling it with wood, nails, hammer, screening. You know, screens on their windows. Bugs would be in and out all the time. So he made screens when he was there. It, it, it just, all I know is some of the most basic things that we take, uh, we take for granted, they don't have it. And now, much, much better, though. But when they were kids growing up, and, and, there was, and I think one last quick story. When we were older, when I say older, I was in college. My father had on his office desk a, a, a bank, and the bottom of the bank was round. If you turned it one way, it was a man in a top hat, tuxedo, uh, vest, tie, and a big pot belly. But when you turned it around, it showed it, and it said before taxes. When you turned it around, it was the same guy's face, no hat, <laughs> and instead of a pop belly, he had a barrel around him. Remember the old days, they, they wear a barrel. So I remember as a, a joke to my father, because whenever my dad went to Italy, and most times he went by himself, my mother really wasn't crazy about the accommodations, quite honestly. Uh, but when he would go there, even his eyeglasses he left there, eyeglasses, his suitcases, all his clothes, he came back with just the clothing on his back to leave it for them for, to have better clothing or whatever. So we took the the little bank, we scratched out uh, before taxes and we scratched out after taxes. We put down before Italy and after Italy. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Well, you know, my, my, my mom's brother, uh, you know, he didn't come over until 1950 and then he had to go to Canada. Um, but you know they, they there was no they had a house they actually owned their own house which was left for my for my great grandfather um, house it was two rooms there was a bedroom and a living room family room kitchen yes. fireplace yeah no bathroom now, you know, we're talking nineteen fifty there was no bathroom that's right you know there was a house in the backyard or whatever that was you know uh, people don't realize that, that you know. 50s, 60s, people, 70s probably even, people were living like this. Um, Wasn't that, I mean, the 50s, you weren't that far from the end of the war in, in Europe, you know what I mean? So, no, no. And, yeah. uh, you know, I actually, my cousin, my cousin Mary is, um, boy, I guess she's 90 or 91 now. Um, and so she was about um, 12 or 13 when the war ended. So she remembers. She remembers the Germans sure. in the town. She remembers the Americans and British coming. Sure. And, and Body wasn't in the war per se as much as the, you know, uh, you know Naples and Rome and places like that. Uh, but they still had troops there and everything. And, um, you know, she said, we ate beans. That's what we ate. We ate yeah. beans. You know, yes. maybe once in a while they would have a goat or a sheep or something. But, uh, and and then she said, they would, you know, live off the black market. You know, she yes. was a black marketeer when she was 12 or 13. <laughs> Listen, they did what they had to do to survive. Yeah, of course, of it course. It wasn't as easy. Look, you know, I think what happens often is that when we, we hear stories of Italy, just like you said, you think of Rome, you think of Venice, you think of all these. But let me tell you, there were a lot of people in between that suffered quite a bit, just did not have an awful lot to, to, to share. And they did. And as I said, I think when my dad, my grandmother made a 
kind of strategic decision that listen, with one less property, send them over there. Like, you know, and that she loved my dad, but you know, I mean, it made her life easier only having the two kids yeah. instead of three. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and like I said, my my um my grandmother here used to say and I I never knew. I, I learned this from this guy a month ago. Um my my dad's mom used to send uh clothes and stuff over to Italy to her half sisters. And there was never any mention of these half sisters. Nobody ever talked about it. Father never talked about it. My you know, my my Grandmother died when I was about 10 or 11, so I, you know, who would even think to ask, you know? Yes. Um, but, but yeah, nobody ever talked about the family over there. And, and you know, I found out uh, because my grandmother's name, Piermalo, there's only one family with Piermalo. That's, yeah, not many, you know, huh? Uh, and because of her background, her, you know, that, that that's the family. And um, when I finally found the fourth cousin... And we started putting all the pieces together. She, she was like my on-site genealogist. I would find another Piermont. Who's this? Who's this? Who's son is this? Who's the? Everybody thinks that the record keeping, for example, was very, very oh, good back then. That's horrible. Yeah, I mean, when I do my research stuff, I, I always have a, a disclaimer page saying, "Look, you're going to get documentation here. You're going to make copies. You're right to make copies that the dates don't match up." But it's the same person. They yeah, just yeah, yeah. honor about is good enough. I said, what's the difference if they're born in 1864 or 1861? It's irrelevant. They were born around that time. And one document got it right and one got it wrong. Or maybe both of them got it wrong. It is It is what it is. But it, that, it drives me crazy. I, The research that I do now, I, I prefer to do... Italian research only because I'm, I'm familiar with the language, I'm familiar with the culture, I'm familiar with the with the country, the little towns, and it, it makes it easier for me. I did I did one though for my best friend, Ukrainian, of all things that was a war there, and you know what I had to do before I could do any research for him was I had to do uh, some research on the history of the Ukraine. The Ukraine was not always a country in and of itself; it was a region. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes Poland owned it and sometimes Russia owned it and sometimes Germany owned it and Hungary owned it, rather. And uh, I, I, I'm looking at one document, especially like with census. Well, we're from Poland in 1910. Uh, we're from Ukraine in 1920. We're, you know, it just, then I, once I did the research, then it, it, it dawned on me how this was all going. But you're right. Sometimes you, you, trying to figure out those little details, they could drive you crazy. Yeah, and you know there there was a there was a place in France. I don't know if I read it, saw it on TV. I forget how I how I found this out, but there was a place in France that when the Germans came in, they gave the the people a choice. If they stayed, they had to become German, uh, but if they wanted to be French, they had to leave the town. <laughs> I had to go. Unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> You know, and, and and you know, it was one of those towns on the border that changed hands, yeah. you know, back and forth and back and forth. But, you know, my cousins told me, my cousins that were born in, in Italy told me that they would send the kids to the commune to say that the baby was born, you know, sure. seven, eight years old. Sure. So to your point, the date could be wrong. The name could be wrong. <laughs> the you know, the house funny. could be, the, you know, the address could be wrong. Anything could be wrong. It, it does, they don't care either, by the way. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, it's... Um... Uh, my cousin said to me, I thought it was funny, he said, you know, Fred, you've seen more of Italy than we have. Yeah, see. You know, he said, I, I mean, you know, I've been on, I think, three different tours. I went to um, up north, I did the, the central, and then I did the southern one. I never got to Sicily. That's where I want to go next. Everybody says that is beautiful, beautiful country. And, you know, the Sicilians, they don't consider themselves Italians first. No, that's not. They're not Sicilians the first. They're Sicilians. And that's you can right. call them Italians if you want. Good luck with that. <laughs> that doesn't work out that well all, all the time. But that's another place I would really like to see. I was I was at uh, a, a, a wake and then a funeral, and they had an after dinner, after funeral, uh, you know, luncheon. And uh, there's a woman sitting at the table, and she is the sister-in-law of my best friend. So um, we're talking about family and where we're from and everything else. And her last name is Gen X, G-E-N-E-X. She said, I'm Italian. I said, impossible. 
I said, there's not even an X in the Italian language. I don't know how you can be called your last name. No, I'm telling you, friend, my father came over in 1920-something, Gen X. And where did he come from? He comes from Sicily. He said, hey, you know, I've never done a lot of research in Sicily, so but do me a favor. If you get the, the chance, send me any information that you have about your background, grandfather, whatever, but i got to find that in Gen X. And so um, I, I start doing the research, and sure enough, everything she said was true. I got him on the boat and everything else. So I always like to go back to the town that they're from, if I can find it, which I did in, in this case, and look up the name in the white pages, the, 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 the Gina Bianca, you know, if they're there. And sure enough, there's like six Gen Xs still living there. And I'm trying, I'm scratching my head, like, what, what is going on? Why would anybody get named Gen X? So that Sunday, I'm in church. The priest turns his back, and on his uh, his uh, vestments, he's got a P and an X. It's Greek. The Greeks, at one time, I believe, occupied Sicily. Oh, and yeah. somewhere along the line, that name Gen X is probably a Greek name, and not a true Italian or Sicilian name, and that's how it got the way it did. But it, it's it's interesting how you stumble into answers sometimes. It's not written anywhere, but you just have to figure it out yourself. Yeah, so the X at the end, that's a very interesting story because my uh, we always had a, a, a person, again, we called her Aunt, Aunt Beatrice. I maybe met her once or twice when I was a kid, but she was my father's, I guess, second cousin. But, you know, that's a, that's a thing in Italy. If older cousins, they, they give you the, the Zia or the Zia. That's right. right. Um, so we always called her Aunt Beatrice, but her last name or her husband's last name was, uh, P-E-T-I-X, P-E-T-I-X from yeah. Sicily. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Right. So and I had never heard of Gen X and I always, you know, when I started uh, hearing about that and, you know, hearing that name, I always said the same thing. How could that be Italian? There's no X in the Italian language. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what what wound up happening was uh, I got a message from on ancestry from um, my cousin Linda. She's a fourth cousin, and she said, "I think we're researching the same person, Maria Piomala. I think we might be related." And I said, "We're definitely related because there's only one family, and I know right. Maria Piomalo is my great grandfather's sister." Um, so, you know, she did ancestry, and we we confirmed all of that. And uh, you know her, her mom, Aunt Beatrice married this Pete Petex, and uh, to your point about uh, pictures and all of that, she had pictures of my dad's family from the twenties. Now we never knew about each other, sure, right? So she's got pictures. Her, her, um, her aunt. Um, Josephine was best friends with my cousin Nancy. They basically grew up together, not that far away. Uh, she also worked in my uh, grandfather's and my my great uncle's uh, embroidery shop in New York City, and she had beads from this shop that her grandmother saved. Mm -hmm. So. So we, we, we finally got to meet a few years ago and she came and she came with, you know, beads from my sister and myself and my cousin. And the family, because there was nobody else here, uh, it was just my grandmother and her aunt, the only two people that came from that family to America. They were, they were intertwined, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s. We never knew each other. And I said to her, I said, you know, Linda, I said, I now remember... Uh, when I moved into my cousin Louise's apartment in Flushing, we were driving down, I remember this, this street, Booth Memorial Avenue, and my father saying, that's where Aunt Beatrice lives. Pointed out a house. That's where her aunt's family grew up, her cousin and everything, grew up in the house. She used to go there every summer. Um, I moved in five blocks away from that house lived there for like five years. Uh, we probably passed each other on the street. Never knew. And never, and never knew. 
Uh, and, you know, and now we're talking 50 years later through Ancestry and uh, Facebook. We're connected. You you believe in coincidence? I don't. No, 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 no. I don't <laughs> Absolutely <believe> not. <laughs> no way. And I've heard so many stories. I, I mean, I can't tell you. I mean, some of what you know, one's one's more incredible than the next one. And same thing with with you, right? You know, where somebody just said we were just talking about the American cousins, and then you know, sure. you, well, you know, Bob, you know what I yeah. I do? I, I am an avid avid reader, and I love writing. So it, on Facebook, uh, on my own personal page, I have one called "As I Was Saying" by Fred Russo. I post uh, uh, short essays, eight, nine hundred word essays, and they're just recollections of either me growing up or something about my family. And that's not be about me personally. I mean, just things that that crossed my path as a, a, a little young Italian kid growing up in an Italian neighborhood. And my intention, I probably have maybe a hundred of these stories, maybe more. Um, my intention is to have them uh, go down for like a staples, have them printed up and bound to give to my kids. And I want to give it to them. It's not quite a diary. It's more than a diary. But but it's it's my reflections on, on a variety of topics that, you know what, they or their children, you know, I'm going to look and say, oh, my God. Dad thought about this, or Dad was talking about this, whatever. I, I got when we had COVID. I ended up writing a book, and I and it was based upon my experience as as um, uh, a young young guy growing up in the Italian family neighborhood. Not all of it's true. My my main character is a young Italian guy in his mid thirties who was born out of wedlock, and he and um, he lived with his mom, his grandmother, and grandfather who were from the other side. His mom got pregnant when she was uh, in high school, and he was born and ra he was raised by the grandparents. The mother died uh, when she was like in her twenties, and uh, he, he the whole story basically is about. He says, "I'm all alone. I don't have a mom. I don't have my grandparents. I don't have anybody." And then, because his grandparents and mom were so good to him, he never really gave a lot of thought about who his biological father was. And that's what the story is about, how he does have someone related, really related to him, by blood. He doesn't know who it is. And that's the story, the quest to find his father. And he trakes all over the place, and he gets a girlfriend in the in, in this part of the story, and he ends up in Italy. And, and he finally does find his father. And he finds his father's kind of well-to-do, never been married. And he finds out his heart, father's heartbroken because the grandfather, unbeknownst to him, never allowed his mother to get married. The guy wanted to, he was a smart guy. You know, he said, look, I'm going to work. I'm going to do whatever I got to do. But the grandfather was so offended that his daughter got pregnant and he completely excluded this guy from his life. He said, listen, my father went back to Italy. I went back to Italy with him. And now here I am. I'm a lawyer. This guy, this young guy is a lawyer too. And now he's got to make a decision between staying in Italy because he has nobody in the United States, except this young girl that he met, he likes, or go back to the United States and not see his father, you know, now that he's found him. And uh, when it's all said and done, he tells his father his dilemma. And the father said, Listen, that's up to you. Whatever you decide, you have to decide. And he ponds it all night long in his hotel. And he says to the father, then say, I'm going back. He said, you know what? Uh, and the name of the book is called Follow Your Heart. He said, I love this girl. And he said, the father said, I wouldn't be disappointed if you didn't go back. You can always see me. We can always communicate. There's all kinds of ways to do that. But he says, I didn't do that with your mother. I didn't fight hard enough. I should have. I never did. And, um, you know, the guy comes home and uh, what he did, what he gave his father, that was one of the clues he used to find who his father was. He found his mother's jewelry box, a high school graduation. He knew his mother never graduated. He looks inside. He sees the initials. He goes to the library. He gets the yearbooks. And he finally links who the father is, but the guy's not around because you know he didn't. You know, he moved to Italy, and he, he, you know, through his church, he finds someone who was related to his father's family, and uh, gets a little low down on him. He's an old uncle, and this guy had biologized an uncle in the nursing home. He talks to him. He says, "Yeah, this is where he went. This is where he's from. You got to go there, and maybe you can find him." And he does. And uh, when he goes there, he gives his father. 
the graduation ring that he gave to his mother when they were in high school. They're like, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend. And when the father, when he left the, the following day, the father said, here, I got to give you this back. And he gives him the, the ring box with the ring in it. And he was kind of disappointed. He said, yeah, I thought this would be something my father would, a great link between our past and our future. Da, da, da. And when he gets home, what he finds out is it's the ring that he was going to give his mother. The father was going to give his mother. And he, and he loves the girl that he's with. And he said, you know what? I'm not going to lose you. Like my father lost my mother. Puts the ring on her finger and says, I want you to marry me. And that's how the story ends. Ah, that's a good story. Yeah. 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 So, but, but all the little, all the little inferences of Italy, the town, the people, they're my cousins. <laughs> they think they're celebrities. <laughs> 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 yeah. It's, uh, it was, you know, it's funny how if someone told me, uh, I would go down this path of, of genealogy. I, I always liked research. I was, I taught science when I first got out of college and ended up leaving teaching to take my dad's business over because um, uh, he was, uh, we didn't know he was terminally ill. He knew it. We didn't know it until later on. And then uh, uh, by that time, my mom, you know, she was eight years younger than my dad. And all she ever did was raise a family, be a wife, you know, take, help my dad with the business. We didn't know what to do with her, quite honestly. You know, we were not going to put her off the pasture. So uh, I ended up, I said, look, I run the business, Mom. Hang in there. Do what you're doing, you know, and we'll keep it going. But she passed away three years later. And that stage again, I said, should I stay? Should I go back to teaching? I don't know. My father loved the roofing business. It was his heart. You know, it's something that he felt that he came from the other side. He, he, was, he was farming. He hated farming. Right? I mean, he met a guy while he was at the farm market who was a roofer. And the guy said, come on. You got to help me put roofs on. But for anything that'd be better than farming, he ended up becoming a roofer and opened up his own business. And for, he had it for 45 years. To see him, um, uh, to see the business just go under because he wasn't there, I couldn't do it. So I ran it for 40 years. And I have a son-in-law and my daughter who lived next door to me. He now runs it for the last 10 years. So it's been um, it's been an interesting history even with the with the, the the roofing company that's in the family, some things you just don't want to let go. You know that, that's yeah, that's well, how you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I could understand that, and it's something that you know, uh, you know, my cousin, uh, they had an oil business, oil delivery business for like eighty years or something like that in Corona, and it's you know went from you know one to the other to the other, which is which is you know pretty neat if you have that if you have yeah, that business, well, you know. I'll just tell you this. Each subsequent generation, it's more difficult for that generation to be successful with the business. When you have nothing, you can't go. There's nowhere to fail, yeah. you know. But when you get up a level, I, I remember, I think my serious time was I said to myself, here I am, I'm a college-educated guy, I have a master's degree, I taught school for five years. My dad, no reading, no writing, no education, no anything. And he ran a successful business for 45 years. I'm thinking to myself, can I do this? Am I capable of at least mirroring what he did. I tell you something. I was scared that first year or two that I would not be able to have whatever it took. He had it without the education. For me, it should have been a cakewalk. I was so scared. But like everything else, one day at a time, one day at a time, one day you know you're consistent with it, and it all kind of kind of works out for you, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's um, I, I, I'm I, I love our family and our family history. And any kind of a document that I can get, I don't, I'm like to this day, because there's always something new coming online with yeah. websites and stuff. They can, you can dig information up. And I do. And I have a huge, huge booklet of information from our family. Um, it, it, it probably doesn't mean much to anything to my own kids, but if it means something to them, I would be very happy. How did you get into the genealogy? Well, uh, you, what started me was I had my great grandfather's, I call it his calling card. It had his name on it, and it had the crest, and it said, uh, from the Dukes of Capricotta, in, in Italian, of course. Yeah. And my grandmother had brought a box of these with her when she had come over. And it was in the, it was in the photo album, you know, and my, my mother would always tell me that, you know, you, you know, your grandmother's father, and he was a duke or a count, and blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of where I started. Little did I know that my great-grandmother was even more connected than he was. Really? She, her family, her family's Caracciolo, and I've traced them back to, I've traced my direct line back to 950 in Naples. 
Really? Uh, well, because it's all documented. Yes, uh, yes. Because in the Libro de Oro, the whole family is there. It's hard sometimes to put in words what you see and what you feel. Um, yeah. But I, I, I tell you, when I go back, I'm always overwhelmed. I just am. I, I just, I am just so grateful. And as I said, I don't believe in coincidence. I think that I always believe that my dad looks over us and me especially. Yeah. Um, and and wanted it this way. And and I, I I think someone asked me one day about you know at my age, what do you think is your greatest accomplishment? No. I've done a lot. Of, I don't say great things. I've done good things in business and have had a successful raise and successful family with my wife. But I, I would say one. I, I would consider one of my kind of cardinal achievements is making that connection back with our family in Italy. I, I, you can't put a price on that. It is what it is. And it's not easy. No, no. And you know that what what I didn't realize, and I, I mentioned this earlier, is that what the travel lady said. She said to me, Fred. What makes you think they're going to accept you when you get there? Don't be disappointed if they say, we care. Or they kind of want to shake you down because you're an American. But I would just tell you this, Bob, and I speak for my family only that I know of. They love the fact that they have American relatives. They yeah. absolutely love the fact. I went to a wedding. My my uh, cousin, Domenico's son, uh, Batista, got married and he said to me, I was there during the summer, one summer, and he said to me, if I send you an invitation, will you come to my son's wedding? I said, sure, I'll come to your wedding. I, I, I never thought you were going to send me an invitation, quite honestly. I thought you did it as a courtesy. Sure enough, the invitation arrives. It's in December, no less, a week or two before Christmas. I, and, their, and their temperature's better. It's more like North Carolina temperature than Connecticut temperature. So I went there. I went to the wedding, and I'm going to tell you something. I was like a trophy. <laughs> this is my cousin from America. This is my cousin from America. This is my cousin. So one guy says, "Yeah," he says to me, jokingly, "said you're not Italian." He said, "You you weren't born here." Well, I have a tattoo on my chest of the of the Italian fly, and underneath it says Marchionese. Okay, I I put my shirt like this. I said, "Where's your tattoo? Where's the <laughs> tattoo that says you're an Italian?" Okay, so yeah, I, I had him covered it. I really did, but it, it was. Um, I just love going there. I love going there. And, the, you know, the, the the first time we went there, um, well, the only time so far, but it was so 25 years ago, and we were in Sorrento, and um, we were walking through the town, and I see the the butcher shop, and it says Sorrentino on it. And um, so, uh, you know, I'm taking a picture of the sign, you know, Sorrentino in, sure. in Sorrento, right? Uh, and the uh, the... the Owner comes out and he's talking to me in Italian, you know, and and I I don't know hardly any Italian, but I knew enough that he was asking me, "Who are you?" Right, that I yeah. knew. So I said, "Sorrentino, America," you know, and he kind of wasn't understanding. So I took out my license and I showed him Sorrentino. Yeah. So he says, "Ah, Ashbed, Ashbed," <laughs> and he goes running into the place next door. Uh, and he comes out with a guy who speaks English. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and now this is. Out of the blue, right? Yeah. He wants to know who you are and where your family was from, and uh, you know, and this is just oh. a stranger butcher. You know, I'm taking they, a picture they, of this. They son. love. No, I, I'm telling you, people say how much they hate Americans. I don't know. They I don't, never had no, that experience, don't. not at all. When when I was there, uh, anytime I was there, um, the the circle of their friends couldn't wait to meet me. They'd come over. As a matter of fact, I'd be at their house, and every night someone new would come over, and you know, you go through the the spiel of where you're from, whatever, but it was, uh, it really, I, I don't know, it, it, it always brought tears to my eyes. When I left there, I always left with tears in my eyes because uh, you're just down to earth, good, hardworking people. No one's got a ton of money. Uh, you know, matter of fact, one of my cousins and himself, he's on a pension. He gets like $1,500 a month, okay? Uh, and he, they struggle. They really do. So, before I left, I left him a nice envelope with, with a big fat stack of euros. I didn't tell him, I said, the son, look, give it to your dad. I know we would, would take it by hand at home, but I'm going to be gone, and he's not going to refuse it. That's what I did. But I, I you know, it's, it, it, and then I said to myself, you know, I think dad used to do that all the time. You know? When he would go to Italy, he always had a stack of money. You know, in those days, at lira. He always had a stack yeah. of a tie of money to hand out. But uh, I don't know. I, I, um, 
I'm glad I was able to do it. I can do it, and, and I'll continue to do it if I have to. But um, for me, that was uh, uh, something that I, I consider a highlight of my life. I mean, going back to Italy, and I've made that connection, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so but, so before we go, tell people, you, you said you have a Facebook group, right? And now is is the book published, the book that you wrote? It's is published. That it's on Yeah, so why don't you give us the details on all of that? Yeah, the, the book is called uh, Follow Your Heart. Uh, it's, 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 and the reason how I came up with that name is it's, uh, from the girlfriend. Every time the, the main character, Nico was indecisive about something, his girlfriend would always say, listen, Nico, follow your heart. What your heart tells you, that's the right thing to do. And this got him through the whole thing. Eventually, uh, allowed him to post her marriage. So it's, it's called follow your heart. You can get it on, um, Amazon or, uh, uh Barnes and Noble online. Uh, there's a, another site called Lulu, L-U-L-U dot com. You can get it on there as well. That's a, that's a publisher. And um, it's, it's a very nice read. It's an easy read. It's under 200 pages. Um, there's, there's a lot of uh, elements of culture and love. And, and the, if, especially if you're Italian, you would, you'll say, hey, that's me. That was, hey, that's my grandfather. That's my grandmother. Uh, so uh, I, I did the, it was a, a labor of love. It was COVID. There was, I, I love to write. So I said, hey, I'm going to write a book. So I checked off my bucket list, you know, one of the things I wanted to do, and I did it. I, actually, I'm in the midst of writing a second book. I'm, I'm better at it now, you know, and I know how to go about doing it. So maybe by the end of the year, I'll have that done. Because it, you know what happens? It, writing is, you know, it, it, it's fleeting. You know, you're inspired, and then you lose your inspiration, and you yeah. Just can't get it to come out, and then all of a sudden it comes back again. So it, you just can't sit down and write a book. You write pieces of it, and you put it all together, and you make it work. So that's that's it. It is available though. And and what's the um, and what's the Facebook group? Oh, the Facebook group is called. Uh, well, it's, uh, my rail is is uh, Fred Russo, and the uh, other one is called As I Was Saying by Fred Russo. What I do is anything I write, I post on As I Was Saying. So if anybody wants to follow me just for that basis alone and not hear about all the dreadful things that I post otherwise, you know, with, uh, with other people, um, uh, they can just go there and read the, the, the essays that I write. Okay. Yeah, that's good. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it on there and I'll put it on the blog so everybody sure. can find it. Um, That'd be great. Well, thanks again, Fred. I appreciate you taking the time. Bob, thank you too. It was uh, fun. I, I enjoyed this conversation.